And welcome back to First and Moose. It's Patrick McKay today hosting it. Connor Taylor is out on schoolwork, so it's just going to be me and Manny today. Manny, how are you doing on this post-Super Bowl Monday? Uh, how are you feeling? Are you still feeling a bit tired from last night? Game ended pretty, you know, decently early. It wasn't that bad, but, you know, how are you feeling today? Definitely, uh, definitely tired, like we just commented uh, to each other before we started this, but uh, a little bit happy and a little bit uh, disappointed for, for a couple aspects of it, just because I was very happy with the game, the overall events that happened throughout the throughout the game, but a little disappointed that I put in a couple couple bets and only I was I went one for three on those, but Odell came through luckily, or else I would have been extremely sad on this Monday morning. But overall, pretty content with uh, the whole experience of the Super Bowl, everything that went into it, and uh, yeah, um, I'm doing well today. How, how did you view? How was your experience yesterday? No, I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. It was definitely. You know, again, it didn't, it, it, I don't know if it's just like college or whatever it is or getting older, but like every major holiday, and yes, I consider the Super Bowl a holiday. I think, I think if you're a sports fan, you consider it a holiday. There's no question. But I think it, just getting older, I don't know what it is. I just like, it doesn't feel like it's that certain holiday anymore. Like Christmas still feels the same. Thanksgiving still feels the same, but like Halloween even like Halloween went by like so fast I was like oh okay it's already passed it's like it's like November now yeah. and I feel like the Super Bowl was kind of like that but also at the same time I mean we can get we can also get into that later but I really don't think it was overall that exciting of a game and I feel like you know I mean I think the Bengals I think not the Bengals Chiefs Chiefs Bills game I still think was easily the best game of the season but we can get we can dive you know, more into the game because that's going to take up, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to talk about from last night, but obviously one of the big things of the Super Bowl is always what's going to be the best commercials or what commercials are going to bomb. Manny, what commercials did you particularly like uh, and which ones do you think maybe they probably wasted their money and they probably could have, you know, they wish they could take a mulligan on this one. Yeah, that, I definitely have a couple. I I liked. I think I the one I liked the best was um was this Doritos commercial, the one where they're just like in like a forest with like a bunch of animals like trying the Doritos. I don't know if you saw it. It had like the sloth eating it. It had the like the deer eating it at one point, and like it was just like I forget like like Doritos flaming hot flavored like this blue bag of of such. But I liked that one just because it was kind of different, and I they brought out a new Doritos flavor so. It kind of made me want to try it now. Um, another one was there was a, an Alexa one with Scarlett Johansson and uh, I think it was her husband. I'm not, I don't really know who it is, but that one I thought was kind of creepy at first, but it was kind of funny. Uh, like the skits they did, it felt more like a skit than a typical commercial. So I liked that one. And the one that I just didn't really get, or the one I thought they did, they went overboard, kind of tried too hard with, with, uh, it was the Rocket Mortgage commercial with the with like the Barbie house and Anna Kendrick's in it. That one, I I get what they were trying to do. It was kind of like cheesy, but I thought they tried a little too hard on it. Like did it? They were we're talking about like a Barbie house and just to bring Rocket Mortgage into it with all like the kids and Anna Kendrick. I thought it was a bit too much for for my like. And how about you? You know, I always find the commercials particularly interesting. I don't know if it was just like I missed it or whatever, but did you see any M&M's commercials? I don't think I noticed any at all. I don't think so. I didn't see I any. I don't think so across the screen. I think that was probably one of the first times I've never seen an M&M commercial because usually they're one of the ones that hit. I mean, they usually hit it out of the park at the Super Bowl, so I'm curious to see, you know, kind of what happened with that. I think Toyota, again, had another great showing with their ads. They had a couple, but I think the best one was the pair. I don't know if you saw the Paralympian one, the two brother, the two Paralympian brothers. It was such a great story. And, you know, again, a lot of these are, you know, using these athletes, like you talked about Colin Jost, who actually, so he works for SNL. 
Um, he hosts Weekend Update and then obviously Scarlett Johansson bringing in these celebrities. Like, I like it. It's funny. You know, sometimes ads like the companies do well with it. And, you know, it leads to good brand exposure. Sometimes it bombs and, you know, you know, any publicity is good publicity, bad or good in my eyes. But I think that Toyota did did a good job of, again, being one of the main sponsors of the Olympics, bringing in a, you know, not a, I guess, like a human story for once, I guess, having, you know, they spent, I mean, again, these, these ads were going for $5 million plus, and you could have, I mean, you could easily have said, you know what, we're going to use this to advertise Toyota. And, you know, I think anybody would have been, all right, like, you're spending $5 million for this ad and one of the, you know, easily the biggest game of the year minus world cup years. I mean, it, I think it's a good thing for Toyota to do that. I think they did well again, you know, there's some commercials where, you know, I definitely, I don't know, like some of them are having good general motor. Did you see the one with uh, Austin powers for general motors? I like that one. I wasn't like the huge, I wasn't the biggest fan of Austin Powers. I've never really been a fan of those movies, but I felt like it was pretty funny. Uh, it was comical. Again, it was like the Mike Myers, like slapstick comedy. And, you know, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good, I thought it was a pretty funny ad. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, there was, there were so many, so many of them. And to be honest, I definitely was checking my phone a lot, checking Twitter during these have during these commercials. I probably don't remember a ton of them, but I would say that, you know, again, like Chevy did a really good job with their ads. Um, they had the Sopranos in there with, I think for their ads. So I think overall it was like a decent year for, uh, for, for companies to do their ads in the Super Bowl. I thought like most of them were pretty good. You know, Kanye, the Kanye one was interesting with McDonald's. I wasn't really like a huge fan. And obviously oh, yeah. Kanye had an interesting day yesterday. <laughs> He's had an interesting last couple of days. Let's just say the least. That's a whole other topic that we could probably spend a lot of time on. But, you know, I think overall it was, I thought it was a pretty good year for ads. But again, like there are some that, you know, we're missing. I don't know. I, I don't think there was a Coca-Cola one. If I'm not mistaken, I might've missed it, but I didn't see anything from them. I didn't see anything from Eminem. So, uh, well, Eminem, the candy, we'll talk, we'll talk about the <laughs> halftime show in a couple of minutes. I was, a I, I like that segue. That was pretty good. I'm, I'm applauding myself for that one, but I think overall it was a good year, but definitely there were some some companies that were missing from last night that, you know, I was wondering what exactly happened or, you know, maybe just, maybe it was just too expensive for only 30 seconds of their time, but we can get into the halftime show, which I mean, for us, we are only 20 year olds. So most of the people that were playing in the halftime show mm -hmm. last night were, you know, just a little bit above, you know, just a little bit, uh, I don't want to, I'm not being mean to millennials, but it was just a little bit in their generation. And, you know, I thought it was great. Like, obviously I know who, I know who all of them, who all, who they all are. Eminem's obviously one of the best rappers of all time. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, 50 Cent, Kendrick Lamar. It was one of, it's, I mean, judging by the reaction on Twitter, Twitter from basically all the millennials I follow, which is 90% of Twitter. It was whole, it was probably one of the best performances I've ever I've ever seen. I thought just from top to bottom, like the stage design, how they you know produced them, the camera angles that sometimes it, it I don't know if it was like the cameras they were using or the technology, but like it just looks so futuristic. It honestly, mm -hmm, I, definitely. I'm very impressed with how well they set this up. I thought they did a great job, and again, it was when you have icons and music like again Kendrick Snoop Dogg 50 Cent Mary J Blige again Eminem you go on and on you're gonna have you, it's very hard to mess that up and you could easily have messed it up I mean the NFL has not had has 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 routinely done well with its halftime shows but sometimes it's messed up and you know, I wouldn't have been shocked if somehow it didn't work out, but obviously it worked out. It worked extremely well. And I think, I mean, it was probably, it was very well done just to say the least. And I think the biggest thing out of all this, I don't know if you saw, none of them got paid for it. None of them. Really? Excuse me. 
None of them got paid at all for the halftime show. Dr. Dre put up, I think it was like, it was a $7 million production budget. I think he put up like 5 million of it just for the heck of it. Or maybe, I mean, I don't know the exact reason, but like it was a weird circumstance because obviously the NFL can afford $7 million. That's a, you know, a drop in the can for them. But I mean, Dr. Dre putting up majority of the budget and then it turning out like that. I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know what the deal is for the grant. If like you can do, I forget if a live performance is can potentially be as a Grammy, but I feel like that if it, if it was, and it could be up for that, I would say it would have to be because that was probably one of the best live performances, you know, in for a halftime show and just in general, again, it was, I thought it was really well done. What did you think of it? Yeah, just the just the same sentiment there. I think the biggest thing why a lot of people enjoyed it was because it just had like a nostalgic feel to it to me. Just you had all these icon icons, like you said, kind of coming together, performing on the biggest stage, and just to come up with that, it seemed like everybody enjoyed it. You had you had videos of Jay Z and Beyonce in the in the crowd, Justin Bieber enjoying it, LeBron dancing to it. It was I thought that was pretty funny. I think everybody just had a good time. Even Evan McPherson came out on the sideline. It was just out there uh, listening to them that live performance. I thought that was great. Just the, of all people, Evan McPherson had to be the one out there enjoying it. But uh, in terms of their performance, yeah, like, like you said, I think it all came together nice. The image was very was very cool and just the way that the camera moved from kind of scene to scene, it was all pretty, pretty cool. The entrances, Eminem's entrance was pretty cool, I thought. And just their all, all their performances were, were very well done and trans, the transitioning was, was great. Uh, I think it was one of the best halftime shows. I think it was just very different. I think people liked that it was something different, like rap music. Most people wouldn't really think to have rap music in the Super Bowl uh, halftime show. I liked, I also like that they kind of brought back these icons rather than having somebody kind of like up and coming and new, try it out, kind of like to get them going. I thought that kind of had a bigger chance of falling through than, uh, than having obviously like Dr. Trey, Snoop Dogg and Eminem. But uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, last year's I kind of, kind of turned away from it a little bit just cause it wasn't kind of like my style of stuff. I still watched it for a little, but I think this one, I was like, kind of anticipating it and once it came on I watched the whole thing through and it was just it was just uh, a very good experience and I liked it and it kind of kind of culminated the whole Super Bowl event into into a great showing so I thought it was great one of the best ones I've seen what was the one what was the halftime show last year I'm I'm forgetting it right now what was it wasn't that one the uh if I'm not wrong, if I, I could be complete, I thought it was uh, J Lo and Shakira. Wasn't that last oh, year? Or was that God. two years yeah, ago? Okay, that was yes. I I think that was last year. I want to say it was last year, unless I'm complete. If I if it's not them, then it must not have been that good because I can't even remember what it was. I think it, if I'm not mistaken, oh man, what was it? 2021 was oh, it was the weekend. Was it? Oh my god! The weekend was last year. I remember J Lo and Shakira was the year before, which is really weird. Okay, it's really scary because like I still that seems like not that long ago. Uh, but yeah, last year was the weekend because remember okay. he had that like that was an insane. I really liked the weekend's performance. J Lo and Shakira was definitely an interesting one. I thought that one was pretty good as well. Uh, but yeah, the weekend's performance last year was good. That was like a. Again, weird set design, but like again, really well produced. I thought again, like I said, when you bring together some of the best rap and hip hop icons of like the '90s and the early 2000s, I mean, you're gonna have, you know, what turned out to be one of the best, if not the best, halftime performance. Again, like you talked about, Evan McPherson <laughs> is quickly becoming everyone's favorite kicker in the NFL. And, you know, that used to be Mac, that used to be Pat McAfee. And I still think a lot of people like McAfee and, you know, there's other people, I think there's other kickers that have done great, but Evan McPherson, that man, I mean, he's really stolen the hearts of Cincinnati and really the whole country as well. I mean, he really is, I don't know. I don't know how to properly explain it, but it's just, I, I mean, I love his, the swagger again, that's like, I don't know if it's Joe Burrow's swagger that rub, that rubbed off on McPherson, but he's just got like a swagger to him 
and just like a not cockiness but just like i know i'm good like i you don't i don't have to yeah. say anything i'm gonna just let my performance you know speak for himself and again we'll get into that but i mean his performance spoke for himself the entire playoffs and really throughout this year and i mean i'm hoping that his you know this continues for you know 10 15 years 20 years because venetary played till what he was like 45 or something like that so yeah. he i mean i think he have he could have a long career so i hope he does i think he's a great kicker a great personality and you know again fifth round pick being a kid and a kicker being a fifth round pick is almost unheard of uh, and I think it's paid off, obviously, very, very well for the Bengals. I actually was just looking up a couple of commercials while you were while you were talking. I think the other I had a couple other ones. Um, what is it? The Uber Eats one. I don't know if you re- I don't know if you saw that one. They had a. I think they had like two or three. But that was like them like eating like in like objects that just shouldn't be eaten, like lipstick <laughs> and like makeup brushes. It was a very weird. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was I was very confused about like what exactly, you know, they were trying to achieve by that. Again, I know Uber Eats is like one of the biggest it is. I think it's one of, if not the biggest food delivery company and obviously being backed by Uber, which is the biggest, you know, ride share app in the world. It's going to be a good ad, but I feel like it definitely could have been done better and maybe just completely revamped because I don't really, I, I don't know. I wasn't really super high on that one. There were a couple others that I think uh, were, pr- were actually pretty good. The latest one with uh, Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. Was that was funny. Fan. Yeah, that was, was a funny It was movie. very, I thought it was very funny. Not a fan of scary movies. So when that like, whatever it is, the demon thing or whatever came out, I got a little <laughs> scared. I'm not going to lie. It was definitely freaky. And it's still free. It still freaks me out. I don't want to think about it now. But overall, again, when you put again comedy legends like Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd together, you're gonna get a good ad. And I think that's what Lay's did perfectly. I thought the Planet Fitness one was good as well with Lindsay Lohan. Again, she's obviously been in. She hasn't really been in the news lately, but like it was like her trying to like rebuild herself or whatever. Obviously, after having like a pretty tumultuous like you know young adult life, and I thought yeah. Planet Fitness thought did a pretty good job. It was pretty entertaining. I'm trying to remember if there, I'm trying to see if there's any others that really like did well. I'm not, I don't know. Guy Fieri. Oh yeah. Guy Fieri for, uh, for Bud Light. That was another great ad too. I don't know if you saw, but the same outfit that he wore in the commercial was like the exact same outfit down to like his shoes and the jewelry that he ended up wearing to the game as well. So huh. I think again, like when you, there's obviously when you have celebrities like that and just like, you know, Guy Fieri is not even like the most famous person, but it's just that like the younger generations, like our generation, millennials, uh, and even younger, like everyone knows them because of Flavor Town, like the Flavor Town meme, and you yeah. see it all the time. So it really is more of like a cult popularity than like, you know, I guess like actual popularity, if that makes any sense at all. But you know what? Let's get into what we want to talk about. The reason for this whole podcast, mm-hmm. it's Super Bowl Review Monday. Manny, off the bat, what did you think of this ending? Just general, and we can get into the more specific. How do you think this game went? You know, do you think the better team won, or do you think there was some interesting controversy that's still, you know, brewing to to really even right now on Twitter, it's still brewing. I think, well, just talking about the ending, because I think that's what, obviously, it's the most important part of it, on how this game went. It was it was very interesting, and I thought, I when that drive started, I thought, well, this has to be it, because at the start of this drive, I thought, they're going to score. I just had a feeling they were going to score, and then I thought, the Bengals, I thought I was fully convinced the Bengals were going to win this game, just because I thought the Rams were going to score. And then I was like, Joe Burrow's going to have that one drive at the end and he's going to win it, or at least they're going to go into overtime because they're going to get close. I just had that feeling. And then when they were in the red zone, finally, I didn't even notice this when the play occurred. Um, Cooper Cup had an interview after the game, and he said that Matt Stafford had, like, the best no-look pass of his life. And then I had looked it over, and it was just it was just insane. That, that pass was arguably one of the best passes made in the Super Bowl. Just that no look in between, just down the scene, right to Cooper Cup. It was 
it was insane that I didn't even notice it at first. And then just to end it with those two penalties. The first one, I thought they they kind of butchered a little bit. I can kind of see why you thought it would be a penalty just because you kind of grabbed them by the hip a little bit. But I probably wouldn't have called it. And at that point, I thought, okay, this game is about to end. The Bengals are about to, like, pull it off. And then, obviously, that penalty happened. And then once Matt Stafford rolled out to his right, I don't, I don't remember the second penalty, how it went, but once he rolled out to his right and I just saw Cooper Cup there on Eli Apple, I knew that, one, it was either going to be another penalty or he was obviously going to score because of all this talk Eli Apple has been doing. I knew it was going to come back and bite him, and it did. It, he gave up the last touchdown, and then it made it 23-20 to 20 at that point. And from that point on, I thought, all right, the Bengals are going to score. It just – it's going to happen. Joe Burrow is going to have that, that his Super Bowl moment and win it for them. And up to that point, it's not like the Bengals' defense was completely shutting them out. Um, I was a little nervous, though, because on the drive before, you saw how Joe Burrow got rolled up on. His knee wasn't fully 100%. But even still, he made a couple good passes to Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase. Uh, Tyler – no, not Tyler Higby. T. Higgins. T. Higgins had a great game. He had those two touchdowns, and he had a couple great catches on that drive, too. But then at the end – what really confused me for the Bengals last drive was why they gave it to Piran on third and one. I don't know why he got the ball. Every All the Bengals talk about, anybody talks about with the Bengals is the receivers that they have and the playmakers that they have. Nobody ever brings up Piran. So to give him the ball on a third and one, like why would that even be an option? All right, anyway, that's the, then you get to the fourth and one. And then at that point, I'm thinking, Will they hand the ball off? Probably not, because why would you? You have three outstanding receivers. So they draws back to throw it, and I didn't notice it until I checked Instagram and, like, Twitter afterwards that uh, Jamar Chase on the lower part of the screen actually beat Jalen Ramsey. I had no clue. But, again, it just comes down to the stars, and I think that's kind of what we predicted on our uh, lead-up show getting to the Super Bowl. I think that the Rams just had too many stars, and they just showed up. He really just, uh, up, other than Jalen Ramsey, I think he had a, he had a rough day, Jalen Ramsey. But uh, Aaron Donald, the biggest star on the Rams, showed up, and Cooper Cup, obviously. Um, those two showed up and won them the game, essentially. Aaron Donald, those two big plays to stop Pirine, and then to just hurry Joe Burrow up to the point where he saw, I think Joe Burrow saw Jamar Chase, but there's nothing you can do once Aaron Donald has his hands wrapped around you. So, at that point, he made the play. Everybody goes crazy. The Rams finally win a Super Bowl. Aaron Donald finally wins a Super Bowl. Talks about him possibly retiring. I think that's, that is completely crazy if he were to ever do that or even think about it. I don't know why he would. He could win so many, not so many more, but he definitely has a lot more to go. But that was my, those were my biggest takeaways from the game. Just those, a lot of confusion on those last couple of drives, a lot of just excitement and a lot of what could have been moments, um, especially in that last drive. Uh, I assume you you thought the same. Yeah, I mean, so you bring up a lot of good points and a lot of things that I wanted to talk about as well. <laughs> we'll start with P. Ron. Obviously, the man has had a tough career. Do I? I oh God, I don't have the words. I don't know why. <laughs> well, you didn't even mention the main the thing that I wanted to mention. You have Joe Mixon. He's 225 pounds, a pure, I mean, I can't say the word, but pure, you know what, muscle. And he's going to be able to get through to a first down. I mean, the man could run people over. And you give it to Samaj Perrine, who's on what, his like third team now in the NFL. And even that, like you have, you know, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, C.J. Uzama, C, you know, C.J. Uzama kind of disappeared for a lot of the game. But again, he was hurt. That's what we expected. Uh, and Tyler Boyd as well. Tyler Boyd, I mean, has really had a quietly had a good year again for the Bengals and is really only, I mean, he's still like 27, 28. So he's still relatively young and just hitting the prime of his career. So Starting with Piron, I don't understand it. I really don't. I don't know what, you know, maybe we'll hear about what happened, why Joe Mixon didn't play or, you know, why he decided or why they decided to put Piron in and said, I don't really get it. Um, I think, you know, starting with the Bengals, again, we knew that the Rams were going to have a feast. They knew that the Bengals have a 
I mean, really just porous offensive line and, you know, props to Quentin Sprain from West Virginia, Mr. Undraft. And he did the best he could, but honestly, I mean, he got, he, he, he sucked last night to be completely honest with you. I mean, people were going, I mean, he was like, Oh, he said on Twitter after the game, he was like, Oh, you people are going after me. Like, why are you doing this? Like, bro, you suck the entire game. Like you literally got pancaked on like three or four different plays. So again, he is undrafted. He went, he's a Super Bowl starter. You can't take that away from him. I do applaud him for that and being a decent option. I wouldn't say a very great option, but you know, a depend a decent option at that. Uh, do I think he'll he'll get re-signed or replaced? A thousand percent. One thousand percent. And you know, we'll get into that in a minute. But the Bengals, it's tough because they have such a great situation with, you know, three player, three of your top players on rookie contract. If maybe four player, I don't know if Joe Mixon's still in his rookie contract. I think he, I think he still maybe. is because he might be in like year three or four at this point now. Um, so when you have four of your top players on rookie contracts still, and you have sixty million in cap, cap space you own all your picks uh they're not gonna be great picks but you know picks are picks in the nfl after all uh you know again there was definitely for the majority of majority of the game i thought they played great i thought the Bengals certainly had a chance i don't think they were ever out of it and again that's just the identity of Bengals. they're always going to hang in there to the end no matter what but again yeah there were some questionable calls both by the bank, both by the Bengals offensive coordinators, uh, and then also just by the officials as well. Again, the officials, honestly, they've had such a tough, they really have sucked. And, you know, obviously I don't want to say that because they are hardworking and they try their best, but uh, you know, when your best is awful, I think there's a probably a good, there's probably, you know, either you need to get new refs or simple. Let's let, this is groundbreaking. Let's train them to call the place correctly every time, the same way every time. I don't think it's that hard to the NFL. That may seem, that may seem groundbreaking. I wouldn't be shocked given, you know, how smart they think they are, and they're really not. I think the officials have really played a lot into these games, and that's not a good thing at all. I think the play, you know, when you're talking about games like last night where you had arguably a, it was the holding call by Logan Wilson was kind of was iffy. Yeah. You could probably you could say it was. I don't know if it really was because like the ball was already out of uh, oh god Matt Staff, Matthew Stafford's hands. So I don't know if you could really call that holding. It was a really it was a phantom call in my opinion. Um, and then again the taught the um, what was it unnecessary roughness in the end zone like yeah you know in the back of the end zone. And I get it, like player head safety, you want to keep these players safe, whatever. But any other, like you've probably seen that play like a thousand times throughout the season where you're just trying to ram the person as hard as you can to knock the ball out. And, you know, again, he was falling. You probably, that player definitely, I don't even, I forget who it was. Probably was Eli Apple. We can get an Eli Apple in a second. That man has really made a lot of enemies, but you know, again, that was another call where you're just like, why? Like, you know, I get it again, like player safety. You want to keep these players safe, even though obviously all these players are probably going to end up with CTE in a couple of years. Uh, I mean, I don't get it. It was kind of, it was again, a phantom call. It wasn't a call that they really called throughout the season or even in that game. So I don't know if that's just like, you know, maybe they, the ref saw it different on that player or whatever, probably, I mean, you know, probably to be completely honest and I mean they're pretty they're they're not great at you know obviously remembering what happened 10 minutes ago um but I think overall like the Bengals were always in it but like you said the, the Rams had the more had more stars the better players the deeper team overall even when you lose Odell who honestly the Rams I mean they've really struggled without him I mean he yeah as much massively. as he mass exactly he they played they struggled with him out in the offense which you know to most people I mean he's on his third team now obviously obviously the first two situations were not great the Giants are a poverty franchise and will continue to be a poverty franchise in my opinion I think the Browns are a good situation but they just are struggling right now with 
you know, Baker Mayfield obviously not being that great of a quarterback or, you know, at least dependable quarterback. And you go to L.A. where, you know, everything works well there. I mean, they do a stand-up job, obviously, with the, with the biggest and, you know, most expensive stadium in the, in, in the world and especially in this country and uh, the entertainment capital of the world, all this fed into Odell and most people thought he was going to be a cancer, but honestly, he played, he played pretty good for coming in halfway through the season. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of takeaways to take, to think about, you know, over the next couple of days for both of these teams, but you know, you, you mentioned it. I mean, the Rams have a couple of like interesting situations. I think the biggest one out of all of them is probably Sean McVay. I mean, there's a very, there's a strong chance that he retires and I wouldn't, you know, what he said again, is like, he wants to build a family. He wants to have, he wants to build a family with his wife or fiance, I forget if they're married or not. Um, he wants to be able to spend time with his family. And, you know, I completely respect that coaches. I mean, college coaches are on the road a majority of the year uh, and, and they're working so many long hours. And I can imagine it's probably the same for NFL coaches as well. So I wouldn't be completely shocked if Sean McVay said, you know what, hey, I think I'm going to step away from coaching and move into broadcasting or, you know, just enjoying not being in the NFL. Obviously, he is a the definition of a lifer in the NFL. I mean, that man loves football more than, I mean, probably everyone at Rams fans love him. I mean, he loves the game of football. And I wouldn't be, it's going to be hard for him to if he does say goodbye to the game it's going to take a, it's going to be a long thought out decision i think the same way for aaron donald i would honestly i would be more shocked if he didn't retire because that man has achieved everything that he wanted to i mean he is i mean he is probably the greatest defensive player of all time and easily a top 25, 30 player of all time. I mean, he's, he's become one of the, I mean, he's honestly been dominant his entire career from Pittsburgh to now a Super Bowl champion. And I mean, he's racked up defensive player of the year, all pro pro bowl, you know, mm-hmm. rings after rings. And now he's finally got a Super Bowl, his first Super Bowl. And you know, I think that cemented him as a Hall of Famer. I think he is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I wouldn't be shocked if he retired. You know, I still think the same. I don't know if Matt Stafford, maybe he may go another year, maybe another year or two. But again, I wouldn't be shocked if he retired either, because, you know, I've mentioned it a couple of times that I don't know if he if he comes back for next season. I really I have a strong feeling that he's going to end up retiring. And obviously it's going to be, again, a long thought out process because he spent what, 14 years in, in Detroit. First year he gets out to LA, he wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, obviously that's going to, you know, put some passion back into you. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing with Sean McVay. He is, he has three, he has three girls. He has his wife. And he has, I mean, I don't know if you've seen his house. His house is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, he's in LA. He is in the great, one of the best cities in the world, the entertainment capital, and he could easily live off the rest of his life, retire right now. And I think he would have achieved everything. You know, maybe he, again, it, it, he is the greatest what if story, in my opinion, that the NFL has ever seen. He probably, God, he probably could have won at least three, four, five Super Bowls with, I mean, you think about it with the way he, I mean, he carried some of those Detroit teams back in the day. I mean, imagine that with just like a decent organization. And that's not, I mean, that's not actually, no, that is just, that is talking about the line. There are poverty franchise. They're getting better. They're getting there, but you know, they're, it's still poverty franchise. So you could have imagined him. And again, with any literally, I would say 20 of the 32 teams, he probably could have won a couple of Super Bowls, in my opinion. But I think he also is a candidate to retire, and he could be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now, think about this. The Hall of Fame class of 2027 would be Big Ben, Tom Brady, still up in the air, but most likely Tom Brady, Aaron Donald, and Matthew Stafford. 
if that's not the, you know, for surefire Hall of Fame, you know, right away, I would, I don't know what you could say, because those are arguably, obviously, you have the GOAT, you have one of the most consistent, dependable quarterbacks in Big Ben, you have the greatest defensive player of all time in Aaron Donald, and you have arguably, again, one of the most consistent, depend, dependable just consistent guys and Matt Stafford who's finally got his Super Bowl win and cemented his status as a potential Hall of Famer in my opinion so there's a lot to take away there's a lot of interesting storylines coming out again with retirements that you know we'll potentially see over the next couple of days and you know weeks and months and again we have a long time before football season starts back up and a lot could happen in that time but you know, specifically for you, what do you think as a Steelers fan, you're going to see the Bengals a lot. Where do you see this Bengals team going? Because they have, again, like I talked about, they have a lot of, a lot of things going their way right now. 60 million in cap space. You could bring in, there's a good, it's a good free agency class in my opinion. Uh, you have a couple, I don't, you know, you have a couple of good wide receivers, a couple of good offensive linemen, a couple, you know, I think they could just upgrade death death pieces all over the board and also resign your resign your best players. I think Jesse Bates is a free agent. Um, CJ Uzama is another one. So if you resign those two and you start getting these key pieces, I think they can easily, they could make another run. But what do you think, you know, my, I have, I have my idea about it, but where do you see this team going next season and, you know, beyond? That, that's a good question. I don't know. It's, it's weird with the Bengals just because it seems like they, they're solid every across the board. Um, offensively, there's not much you can really tweak. I guess the offensive line is the biggest thing that is um, you saw it in the Super Bowl. You saw it against the Titans, even at times against the Chiefs, especially against the Rams where Joe Burrow almost destroyed his other knee again. Like you can't have that happening. That's two, two seasons in a row where he, the two devastating knee injuries could have really impacted the trajectory of his career and the way his health was going, uh, going forward. But that has to be the biggest thing overall for the Bengals. Again, that and re-signing Jesse Basie to someone, like you said, the, those two players are, are key pieces and fundamental pieces for different reasons. I think C.J. Usama might not be the flashiest guy on that offense, but he's definitely a safety valve and a reliable piece for, for uh, Joe Burrow. And I think it showed uh, in the Super Bowl and at times against the Chiefs where he kind of took sacks, where he wouldn't be looking for C.J. Usama, but obviously he wasn't there. And Jesse Bates, He's a great piece uh, back there in the secondary, kind of just a reliable guy you can have back there. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And you could just depend on him to not be burnt on a lot of plays like you see a lot of uh, teams where it happens to a lot of teams where it just costs some games. I think he's an underrated safety. And I think they'll definitely prioritize giving him a good deal to make him one of probably one of the highest paid safeties in the, uh, in the NFL if, uh, if it all goes like he would want it to go. But on the, I don't think they have to do much on the defensive side. I think they're they're pretty solid. Uh, Awuzie is a pretty solid corner. Uh, if you really want to get rid of Eli Apple, you you can find somebody better than him. Um, I think the, I just think the Bengals like him. I think the Bengals think he's. I think the Bengals' idea of him is that he's a solid number two. I don't think they they hate him or think that he's god awful. I know everybody else thinks that, and Manny, I definitely do Manny, think that. Manny, come on, come on, I. You know what? What I, do you mean? I what do you mean? What do I mean? He sucks. I, I he know. I'm saying. I said. I'm saying. I know. I think that he sucks. Okay. I just think the Bengals. I just think the Bengals don't view him as the worst player in the league, like a lot of people view him, like how you and I view him. There's no. I, I just. No, 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 no. I think. Okay. Yeah. Right, what? What, go what are you gonna finish, say? Finish what you're gonna say, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna quickly okay. denounce what you're saying because I don't. <laughs> I just don't think the Bengals see him as like the worst player on their team. I just think that they kind of like him. If they really thought that he was the best player on their team, I think that he would have already been gone or not even like started. They could have started like Trey Flowers if they really wanted, but they kept Eli Apple in there. So I think he's just, do they get rid of him? If, if there's anything to fix on the defense, it's probably him. Definitely him. 
but I just don't think they view him that way or they're, they're not going to do much to improve it. I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting next season, in all honesty. Oh, my God. Manny, Manny. I, I, Jesus Christ, what are you talking about? Dude, Eli Apple is hated – by Ohio State, where he went to school. He's hated by New Orleans, where he was – where did Eli Apple start? He was the, he was drafted by the Giants, right? He was on the Giants. He first. was on the Giants, yeah. right. New York hates him. Everyone in New York hates him. Everyone in New Orleans hates him. Everyone oh, yeah. in Cincinnati hates him. Everybody in the in the NFL hates him. Did you see any uh, other – No. No, no I'm just saying, like, other than, like, his play, it's because of what he says on, like, social media. That's a big part of it. He that is a big part no, of it. You said New Orleans a trashy city and didn't have good food. You're exactly. saying that's why. Work. That's a big part of it. I'm not saying it's true. That I don't is think a good it's part of anyway. it. But he's also toxic. I mean, you look no, at yeah, it. It's, if Michael Thomas is saying he's toxic, that's probably not a good thing because Michael Thomas is one of the most toxic players in the NFL. <laughs> if Michael Thomas is saying that, it's probably probably true. It's probably a bad Oh, well, yeah. It's no secret that it is. Yeah, he, he definitely is. He's a but toxic I'm just player. saying, yeah. But he got burned. But no, I, you know what? I'll look it. I'll look it up, and I'll let you continue your fantasy. Of <laughs> you know, I I don't know what you're thinking. To be completely honest, um, I don't know Eli Apple. I I I highly highly doubt he's starting anywhere next season. I really really I really don't think so. No, I don't think so. I really don't. I think maybe he is, maybe he's like a backup somewhere, but starting, no, I'd be shocked if he was starting. I think he's just, he's had such a tumultuous career. And, you know, that is due to him, his character, his play. You know, I think there is, you know, again, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that I really don't think he's going to be starting anywhere. And he probably is out of the NFL soon if he doesn't. A, improve his character, and B, improve his play. Uh, So going to that, so obviously, yes, the offense for the Bengals, I think really the only thing they need to improve upon, obviously, is going to be that offensive line. That is going to be the biggest key for the Bengals. I think overall, on that, otherwise on that offense, he obviously re-signs C.J. Uzama, it, show, it showed throughout this playoffs that he has a great chemistry, both with the wide receivers, the running backs, and obviously, most importantly, Joe Burrow. So I think you re, I think you retain him uh, for the Bengals. Yeah. So it's Eli Apple is a, is a free agent. He's out. Trey Waynes, uh, I think, is going to be out, too, because he's he he counts for $11 million against the cap and he didn't play at all. So he's gone. And they have – 58 million. I mean, 58 million, which is third in the NFL for, you know, highest cap room. So I think there's a lot of, again, when you resign Jesse Bates, I would be a hundred percent shocked if he doesn't get resigned. CJ Uzama gets resigned. And I think that's it for them. I think that's who they resigned. They have a couple others who I think, you know, a couple other free agents, but I don't think they'll get resigned. So I think the Bengals are in a good position. And like you talked about defense as well, you know, you have good young pieces. Trey Hendrickson's great. Sam Hubbard is great. Larry Ogunjobi had a good year coming from Cleveland. Uh, Mike Hilton had another great year coming from Pittsburgh where, you know, he's probably, I mean, you could probably agree with this. He was underrated in Pittsburgh and really by the organization and by the, and by the fan base. So I think he's played great. Jesse Bates is obviously great. Logan Wilson. I mean, he's quickly becoming a very good linebacker and he's played exceptional, Throughout the season, I think it's going to continue. So Bengals are in a good position, but again, they just have to invest in that secondary and also on that offensive line. My only issue is that they're going, it's still the AFC. I mean, this is a Cinderella story. They beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, who's been, you know, the top team in the NFL for what, the last five years of his career and really the first five years of Mahone's career, the last mm-hmm. five years of the NFL. You also have Josh Allen. The Bills are only getting better. They're getting younger. They're getting better. Josh Allen is getting is is starting at his prime a little early. And what I mean by that is I think he's already like 26, if I'm not mistaken, 25. So he's definitely starting to hit his prime. So you really only have 
you know, potentially a four or five year window where he's playing exceptional ball. Uh, Stefan Diggs as well is getting older as well, starting to hit like the middle to end of his prime as well. Um, and I think they have a good, again, the bills are probably one of the best run organizations in the NFL. And I think they're going to be a, another AFC contender next year as well. And, you know, again, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think who else is going to be there as well. Am I, who, am I missing any teams? I mean, like you, bills, you said bills, Chiefs. I mean, you got the chargers in there. Charger, yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. Justin Herbert again, Eventually, the Chargers will. The Chargers have a lot of talent on their team, and I've spoken about it before. But I think they're one of the best teams in the NFL, and they're only getting better drafting great talent. Again, they hit hard on Rashawn Slayton last year, and Slater, excuse me, and he's been an incredible talent, and he's going to be the franchise left tackle for the next ten to fifteen years. And I think that's great for Joe, for not Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. So, I think the Bengals. You know, this is a Cinderella story. But also at the same time, they have a lot of great talent, but they just can't sit on it. I mean, they saw we all That's saw true. what happens, you know, when they have a porous offensive line. You almost lost Joe Burrow again to injury. You, mm-hmm. I mean, we, he probably he might have gotten injured. I mean, there's a very real possibility that he just played it off. And who knows? I mean, we might see that in the next couple of days or whatever. Hopefully he didn't. I mean, I really hope he didn't. But that was obviously a gruesome injury. So. For the Bengals, they're in a good position. I think they can make a couple of good plays here and, you know, again, revamp this team and really not even revamp, just make this team better because they really don't have a ton of holes. For the Rams, again, it's really up in the air because if you lose Aaron Donald, obviously you're going to have to start not trading. You're going to have to not trade your draft picks because you're going to eventually have to draft an edge rusher. I don't think you can keep trading picks uh you know over and over every year i mean i'd be i i mean you can they've done it but you know maybe does it bite them in the butt eventually mate i feel like there's a strong chance of it sean mcveigh as well if he leaves uh you know that's again you got to find a new head coach for him and you know matt stafford if he leaves you got to find a quarterback as well so there's a lot still up in play for the rams i'm not going to make any predictions on them yet just because there's still like so much up in the air and we really won't know God, for at least a couple of weeks, because these players are going to take off and just enjoy, you know, not being a football player for at least a couple of weeks. So I'm interested to see it. But, you know, overall, do you th- do you think the Super Bowl went to the better team? Do you think the better team won? That's 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 such a touchy question. That is that's a good question. I think. I think the more talented team won. I think the more talented team won. I think I definitely think the Bengals played better though. I think they just the the, the amount of better plays that they had, I think, kind of warranted them gaining more than they did. Obviously, there could only be one winner, obviously, but they just they just hit on like three big plays. The catch by Jamar Chase, T. Higgins had two great touchdowns. Uh, their defense played great, bringing a lot of pressure, getting an interception on two interceptions on Matt Stafford. Um, I think they just they played better, but I think the more talented team won. Is it unfair? Probably, um, but they just uh, the Rams just had more experienced players, guys that have been there before, and were a little bit calmer under pressure. I guess you could say just that old line for the Bengals is. One, it's very bad, and then two, they've never been there before. So you, you pair those two things together. You, that last play was really never gonna work uh, with Aaron Donald, Leonard Ford, Von Miller all coming at you on a crucial moment in the game. It showed the their worst. Their Achilles heel came to bite them back, came to bite them, and it's just it was unfortunate. It seems unfair because Joe Burrow went through so much. The fact that he was out there fully healthy, it seemed, after taking like 14 sacks throughout the postseason, or like a re- he broke a record for that. Um, it's just credit, a lot of credit goes to him, but just again, re emphasizes what we were saying. The biggest fault on this team is that offensive line, and it did cost him in the Super Bowl. But that being said, I think they'll, they'll take care of it. And I just think that because of that faulty offensive line. We've seen it with Patrick Mahomes too when he played against the Bucs. When you, that's the, your biggest problem, you can't really expect to do a lot, especially when the other team has 
great pass rush and a great defense. So I I think the more talented team won, the more experienced team won, and I definitely think the Bengals should have gone out a little bit more. They definitely deserved at least an overtime, but um, it was uh, an unfair ending to to their season and a cruel ending. It seemed uh, for all that Joe Burrow went through. Yeah, and you know. I think that the – I would – obviously, I think I would have loved to see the Bengals end up winning that. I think that would have been great for Cincinnati, the city, the fan base deserve it. And I don't think the Bengals are necessarily gone. I don't – I think they're going to be in contention. But I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to have such an easy road because they're not. They're going to have a tough, tough road ahead of them because you're having, you know, some of the best young quarterbacks – in the NFL, starting to hit their prime, which is scary because a lot of them are really good. So I'm interested to see that. I think the Bengals are definitely going to be in it, but I'm not saying they're going to have necessarily such an easy road to the – I don't think they're going to have such an, an easy road towards the Super Bowl is what I'm trying to say. So I think, yes, I think the more talented team won, the more – I want it – oh, God – it's tough because it's such a tough, t- touchy subject because you can go either way. I think the Bengals were definitely a deserving team of a Super Bowl. I think the Rams as well were also a deserving team of a Super Bowl because of the players that were on there. I wouldn't necessarily say the organization because I really don't like the Rams owners or the front office. I'm not really a fan of them, to be completely honest. I think the more I think it's more so the players that deserved a Super Bowl, like Donald, like Stafford, like OBJ. For the Bengals, I feel like it was more organizational. I think, the again, like the fan base deserved it. But I think overall, the Rams were the better team. They made the most of their opportunities, even though the Bengals might have had a more consistent game and made the better play, more made bigger plays overall. So I think the Rams, it's an interesting end to the season for sure. I don't think any of us ever predicted a Rams-Bengals Super Bowl, that's for sure. But again, that's the beauty of the NFL. Any team could come out of nowhere and, you know, make a Cinderella story like the Bengals did. So I'm interested to see what happens over the next couple of years with the NFL. But that's been First and Moose for today. I'm Patrick and, you know, signing off for Manny as well. Thank you again for listening. You can find us on all streaming platforms, Spotify, uh, scene or not scener uh oh god odyssey geez that's about that's missing uh but thank you again for listening and thank you for listening for the, to us the entire season